I don't teach my clients, my students to find good deals. What I teach them to do is create good deals. You're listening to The Right Club Podcast, where the focus is all about helping you grow your real estate investment portfolio and live the life you want to live. Come grow with us and join our community at therightclub.com. And now your hosts, Sarah Larby and Alfonso Salemi. Welcome back, Right Club Nation, to another episode of the podcast. Today, Sarah and I, we are interviewing Adney Fernandez. But before we get to that, Sarah, what have you been up to? What's keeping you busy? Well, I purchased a triplex in Hamilton and, uh, you know, one of the things that I do is I build a solid team of people around me and oftentimes I will buy a property site and seem conditional, of course, so I can always back out should something happen. And so we were getting priced out. Like we were trying to bid on multiple properties over probably the last two months. And there's like five offers, 11 offers. As an investor, I can't overpay. That's really important for me too. And then we found this one property downtown Hamilton. We put in an offer, sight unseen, but conditional on inspection. And we went through the inspection and I got this amazing report for it's probably 50 pages of stuff. And I was able to use it to actually bring down the price another 30 grand, which was awesome. So after I secured the deal, there's actually three offers in, secured the deal and brought the price down because of the issues that my inspector was able to put on paper. It was a great win. And I do want to say a special thank you to Dylan Suter, who has been working with me for the past two months. And this is a deal I'm actually doing with my sister. He's been amazing. And actually, he also has brought us to so many off-market opportunities. Unfortunately, none of them worked out. They weren't exactly the right fit, but he was able to connect with other investors, bring us into properties before they actually hit MLS. He was able to really help us with getting the, the right property. And so I want to say thank you very, very much, Dylan, for, for helping throughout the process. I'm finally happy to say that we've got something and it's going to be a burr. So it's a triplex. Well, it's a single family. We're going to create a triplex from it. And it's going to be a lot of work, but it's going to be a lot of fun. So, so yeah, that's what I've been up to. What about you, Alfonso? Nice. And big up to Dylan. Guys, if he's been a guest on our podcast, if you haven't heard his podcast, Definitely go through through the list of the podcasts and listen to Dylan. He is a wealth of knowledge, really been well received. He's been a big time supporter of the Right Club as well too. So big ups, Dylan. I know even Dylan's team as well too and other teams as well too. I've brought some tenant buyers to the fold and, and that we've started to work with and close on some deals. We have, I think it's six properties under contract right now for rent to own. So we're just going through the process. And I think one of those, you know, pretty well in Brantford, actually, I want to take a quick second. This story is just so awesome that the way that it aligns up is we found a tenant buyer in the Brantford area. And it's funny, as soon as Brantford came up, I'm like, Larby, you're going to, she's going to be involved somehow, some way. I'm probably going to call her on just some insight in the Brantford area. The tenant will pick a property. Sure enough, she went out to go look at properties with our, with the agent and she found yours that was for sale because I think you were freeing that up so that you could buy another property. But, but yeah, so we walked through the property. We put in the offer and once we get the offer back that we see yours and Matt's name on it, we're like, oh my God, I knew. <laughs> this was in Brantford, it was gonna be with, with, with you somehow. But amazing, amazing tenant buyer. We walked through the property and I have to say it was in really great shape. You know what, a little bit of an older property, little needs like just some cosmetic stuff, but really, really good shape of property. And as I found out, this was one of the first, like my parents have also invested with us, 
but this is the first time that a, a family member outside of my parents have invested with us as well too. So it was really cool. I was always really nervous and skeptical about having family because I'm like, I don't want it to be like around the Easter table talking about that rental property or, oh, they didn't pay this month or, or something like that, right? We treat this as a business and I kind of like to keep the two separated. But again, it was, you know, an aunt that is investing in this property. And when, when we did the home inspection, what I actually found out from the tenant buyer was the house, your former, well, soon to be former house, this house that we're buying for the rental, her grandmother lived in and her aunt and uncle lived down the street and in the mid 60s this part of Brantford was like little Italy so a lot of Italian immigrants immigrated to that part of Brantford so with obviously you being the seller our tenant buyer being an amazing client my aunt investing in the property that area of Brantford of like little Italy everything just like lined up like so perfect so I think yeah we're a couple of weeks away or whatever it's yeah about a week and a half or so away uh, from, from closing on that deal so fingers crossed I think everything is, is gone well we've gone firm on the deal but such a cool cool thing that like it's such a huge world this real estate investing world but it's really not it's really really small and yeah it was a really cool I, I gotta say I all the realtors we were just talking about, Dylan, and all the other realtors out there, I love you guys. This is really simple to pick up the phone and be like, hey, Sarah, okay, we need to come in this date. Hey, Sarah, we need this there. It was really cool to kind of, uh, so yeah, the off-market private deals, I love that. And uh, who knows, maybe we'll find more of them out there through the rent to own. We usually typically do the conventional way, right? Realtors going out looking at listed houses. But yeah, just an amazing experience. Your realtor is really great. Our realtor, Shelly in Brantford was really good, really smooth process. So really excited about that one there. And uh, maybe we can unpack that one day on, on a podcast. We can uh, talk a little bit more about the details, how we went through it, the offer process and all that. So yeah, um, absolutely. I mean, here's the thing is that I'm not a realtor. You're not a realtor. Hey, if we have a conversation separately about how, how to make this work, well, we didn't sign anything. So <laughs> we, we made it work behind the scenes to, that's right. You know, cause I think there, there's a couple offers on it, but you know, we're friends. Hey, you got to do what you got to do. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, exactly. Yeah, 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 for sure. We're, that's the cool part of is as you grow that network, and I hope that it happens even more and more that my tenant buyers or tenant buyers walk into properties of people that I know that own them. <laughs> it was such a great, great process, and we do we do try to work with the the sellers as much as we can. And and like you said, you know, you being a disciplined investor with multiple offers and all that kind of stuff, it's very similar in the rent to own. Is we have a budget for our clients that we just can't go over, right? We have a number in mind. That's the budget. They need to find something that fits their needs within our budget. And it's easy to be very disciplined and not let emotions get involved into that. So absolutely. And the other thing is cool for me because I'm a big believer in not selling, but once in a while you might want to sell to free up extra cash or opportunities for financing spots with some of the better lenders so that you can get something a little bit bigger. So we are shopping for a second triplex or and or a second cottage on the That's water awesome. so. yeah. and listeners i can vouch for that sarah does not like selling properties because i was like i almost felt bad by you saying i don't want to sell this i'm like it was just yeah it was a funny funny process but it, it has worked out thus far so really excited and uh and today's a really good podcast with yes. adney he's done a lot you know he's over 74 units and he's gotten small multis commercial medical plazas just even just like strip malls that kind of stuff so he's done a lot, a lot of, of investing himself and, and a really a wealth of knowledge. He's he's at every right club event as well too. 
so yeah, make sure to get to meet Admi as well too at our events and and gain some knowledge. But uh, yeah, really cool interview today. Mm -hmm, absolutely. I mean, he knows a lot when it comes to commercial, commercial, right? So plazas, clinics, doctor's offices, just everything that has to do with commercial. Like he's definitely a great, great resource. I'm, uh, I'm super excited. And he's a, he's a family man. He's the stay at home dad. I mean, he's living the dream, I think out of Sudbury, Ontario. And he comes down from Sudbury every single month to come to these right club meetings. And so guys come out and meet Adney. He is definitely a wealth of knowledge. What do you say? Should we get started with the interview? Absolutely, guys. You're going to love this interview. Let's get to it. Awesome. All right. And welcome to the podcast, Adney Fernandez. How are you doing today, Adney? Fantastic, Alfonso. How are you doing? Very good. Very good. Sarah and I are very excited to have you on the show today and looking forward to talking more about you. I know you've been uh, a longtime supporter of the Right Club and have been to many of the events, if not all the events. So uh, yeah, looking forward to, uh, to share your story and uh, your experience with our listeners. So before we get into it, why don't we get into a little bit about yourself and, and explain to uh, our listeners what you do? Yeah, absolutely. So I primarily invest in commercial properties. So I started uh, more than a few years ago doing condos, semis, houses in Toronto, just like everybody else. At that time, because I all I really wanted to do was stay home with my kids. And the multi-units and the commercial specialized properties, retail units, medical buildings, they seem to be more in line with my goals of being a stay-at-home dad. And that's what I've been specializing in for the last 10 years. Wow, amazing. So out of curiosity, what does your portfolio consist of today? So right now I'm at 74 units, uh, multiple buildings right now, and the buildings range from small multi-unit, which I acquired more than a few years ago, to now my most recent acquisition was a medical building with 11 units. That's awesome. So the small the small multi-units that you had uh, amongst many different properties, what are those? Are those like residential, commercial, a little bit of both? What does that look like? Both. So very good question. So I have a six unit in my portfolio. It's just one, two, three bedrooms. I love those ones because they are the lowest risk, but also the lowest value. Okay, that's the key thing to remember. As you jump up in specialized asset classes, so as I move to mixed-use buildings where it's commercial on the bottom, residential on top, the cash flow increases. Okay, the risk increases as well because you need to have a specialized skill set, but the cash flow, the ROI increase. As you go to strip malls, retail plazas, office buildings, medical buildings, the risk increases, but as does the ROI as well. That's really interesting. Now, I think you're probably the first that is really investing in commercial, commercial plazas, medical buildings. So what are some of the things that somebody maybe that's already currently investing in residential real estate, maybe such as myself, what should we look for when we're looking at these types of plazas or mixed use units? Okay, so that's a broad based question. So uh, the way I normally, when I coach people, the way it normally works is I tell people, it's common sense investing that never changes, okay? The risk may increase in the commercial specialized category, but 
not common sense. So common sense has to still stay the same as you're analyzing your single family homes where you're renting the top and the bottom or you're duplexing them to add value. The same goes for mixed use buildings. The same goes for office buildings, strip malls, retail plazas. The big thing that changes is your relationship, your strategic relationship with your tenants. No longer am I getting calls for toilets or broken bulbs or Adney, I can't pay my rent because I lost my job. I don't get those calls anymore. So what has changed is I have strategic relationships with, um, with banks, with credit unions, because those are the guys that rent from me. Okay, so that has really changed. I'm now dealing from mom and pop shops to AAA tenants. And so I, as I'm building those relationships, they are renting from me and I'm also providing value in each of my commercial properties. What does AAA mean for somebody that's wondering? And, and can you also talk about like what they cover? Well, AAA, AAA just means that they are nationally recognized. So somebody like RBC. So for example, one of my tenants is, I can say it out loud, is Financial Horizon. Okay, I also have another national tenant, Young Drivers of Canada. Okay, those are triple A tenants because it's less likely that they would be they would exit out on the lease. So it's when they when they get into a lease, they spend a lot of time on legal underwriting the lease. They want to make sure it's the right location. They have a whole team of analysts researching why they should be in that location because the goal for them too is to generate traffic, generate revenue. And if being in a particular location doesn't suit that, they won't do it. So they are very strategic about it, and I have to be as well. So just maybe rewind just a little bit. When you came out of the shoot, first started investing in real estate, you weren't doing the medical plazas then. How did you get started? What was your interest into real estate? What was your first exposure? And, and, you know, and obviously you've grown since then, but what was your first exposure? Okay, very first one, 14 years ago when I was 24 years old, I bought my own condo, which I still have in uh, Scarborough, Toronto. It's at Kennedy and Ellesmere. It's just a two-bedroom, one-bath condo. That's it. That was my very first exposure. What enlightened me was that I actually had to have multiple jobs at 24 years old in Toronto to buy my own condo. I was not working a big corporate job. They were just regular entry level jobs. And one of the biggest challenges I had as a 24 year old working multiple jobs was the financing. And so I realized very quickly that I did not qualify at banks and it forced me to look at private lending. So I actually closed on my very first condo by myself uh, no guarantors, nobody else to sign um, with private money lending, which I was quickly able to pay off a year later because I realized the fees were too high. When I owned that condo, I loved the feeling personally of owning a property. And it was very simple. It's common sense, as I was saying. I just want to own more. I figured if I own somewhere between three to five condos, semis, houses over a span of 25, 30 years, Mortgages would get, get paid off and all that income would come my way. But my first foray into investing, which I'm still thankful for, is my condo. 
Hey, Right Club Nation, we'd like to take a short break from the podcast to introduce you to Ryan Carson, who is the leader and visionary at Carson Law. It's a firm based out of Burlington, Ontario, that provides legal services in the areas of residential and commercial real estate, corporate and business matters, estate planning, and intellectual property. Ryan has handpicked his legal and admin team who have developed an efficient process that can help with every aspect of the transaction. This includes acting on purchases, sales, refinances, receiving funding, reviewing contracts, drafting and reviewing joint venture and partnership agreements, assisting with private lending, and building the right corporate structure. Right Club Nation, you will recognize Carson Law and his team as regular attendees and loyal supporters of our monthly meetings. They possess the perfect balance of legal experience and desire to achieve client satisfaction that ensures each deal is successfully executed in a timely manner. And by the way, even though there are main offices in Burlington, they have a mobile signing service that will send a lawyer to meet with clients, which is awesome. At Carson Law, you can count on their legal advice for home, for work, and for life. Now, back to the podcast. Very cool. So now how did you transition from the single family condo residential type of properties into commercial? How did that transition happen? So it was exactly like this. So I had actually met somebody and then I started meeting a few people. We don't realize this, but there are meetings, there are investors, there are specialized hedge funds and groups just for commercial investing. And I realized over time that I needed to network with a different group of investors with a different skill set. And so just like I come to the REIT club and previously the SORI club, yeah, it's the same thing. I started to attend more commercial clubs. They're more secretive. They're a little bit more smaller. They're generally three to five people. Uh, I'm not sure why they're so secretive, but that's the way it's been. And I tended to learn little bits and pieces. Unfortunately, I could not find a coach. So I made a lot of mistakes in commercial. And that's what I'm trying to avoid for the next group of investors, for the next age of investors. I really want to help people move forward without making any mistakes. Nice. Nice. So these days when when you're kind of pulling up the laptop or you're you're doing your investing, what type of properties or or, or projects are you working on or looking for? Or Because again, you, you're networking all the time. We see you at the right club and, and you also have your own group in, in Oakville as well too, the Oncom. And you're talking specifically about the commercial stuff. But on a day-to-day basis, what, what projects or, or investments are you looking at? Okay, so on a day-to-day basis, I'm looking at multiple. So I'm personally right now looking at two medical buildings, Barry one in Brantford. I'm also looking at a six-unit retail plaza in Niagara Falls. So those are the three that I'm working on for this year. My goal is to close on one to two commercial properties a year. So because I've been a stay-at-home dad for 10 years, that has not really been my focus. My focus has just been invest in one property, make enough money that I can stay home with my boys. Now that my boys are older, they are four and 10 years old, now I have the time to kind of steadily acquire one to two and move on. But on a day-to-day basis, it's a laptop, a cell phone, and what I'm looking at are medical buildings, retail plazas, and it's just to find the right fit with the current partners that I have and the money that I'm raising from new partners. 
And when you're looking at those types of buildings, like commercial plazas and medical buildings, what are some key indicators or maybe one or two things that you look for that maybe the common person wouldn't know to go and look for for these types of buildings? Obviously, we're looking for appreciation and cash flow and, and all that type of stuff. But what are some things that maybe are specific to those types of properties? Okay, so there's uh, seven or eight different things. I'm not sure I'm going to remember all of them. But, um, you know, capital appreciation is one of them. So when I walk into a building, the first thing I look at from a lender's perspective and a contracting um, contractor's uh, perspective is the capital expenditures. So you guys might know what this is, but for anybody who doesn't, uh, they are the major expenses like the roof like the boiler system, like the HVAC system, so whether it's natural gas heating. Um, over the last 14 years, because I've done so many renovations, I can look at a building inside and out. Mind you, it takes me two to three hours of a walkthrough. I can look at every unit and I can realize if perhaps the electrical panel is over um, is over done, if you'd say, if it's overloaded, that's the word, if it's overloaded, I can look at the plumbing and go, hey, you know what, something's missing from here, maybe we should take a second look at this. I can go look at the roof, I, I bring my leveler, my flashlights, and I know what grade the roof is in, how many years it could take, you know, to get redone again, is it tar, is it asphalt, is it a mix of everything in the world, did they do a good, bad, or ugly job? Um, you know, what grade is the concrete or the asphalt in the parking lots? So I think one of the most important and most expensive things to look at is the capital expenditures. I look at it this way. If a building is in good to great condition, I can, that's something I can work with. That's my base. I want a good to great property. I do not want to buy a $3 million building and then spend another million dollars over the next five years redoing all the capital expenditures because that doesn't give me a good ROI. I can change the tenants. I can't change the location or the quality of the building as easily. That's one of the big things that I focus on. Yeah, you, you definitely bring some good points. Now, I, I have two questions. I definitely want to cover them. and I don't know which one you want to pick first, but you mentioned a little while back that you want to help people not make the same mistakes. And I want to cover some of the mistakes that some of the, maybe the top three mistakes that you've made. And then the other piece, and maybe Alfonso can ask that question afterwards is I, I'm very curious about the financing piece because at 70 plus units, you know, how are you financing these properties and you know, what's different versus what you're doing versus commercial, sorry, residential rather. Um, and so we'll talk about that. But first let's talk about the top three mistakes that you've made. Guys, I've made a lot of mistakes, but uh, yeah, I'm just going to rifle them off. Honestly, the first thing is hiring the wrong people. This is huge in my industry. There have been lots of people, property managers, realtors, mortgage agents, uh, contractors, you name it, that have scammed me over the last 14 years. Now, it hasn't happened in the last while, but one of the big key mistakes that I've made with a lack of experience was trusting people so easily. My job was to be a CEO. So big mistake, like I was saying, it was hiring the wrong people and it's lack of experience. I am a stay-at-home dad primarily, businessman second. 
I tend to trust people based on what they say. So the big thing that I used to do before was I used to hire people over the phone. I used to pick up when I was buying a new building or I just bought one, pick up the phone, call, you know, three or four property managers. And I would pick the guy or the girl that would sound the best. Doesn't, didn't matter what they said. I'd be like, oh, you know what? You sound fantastic. It didn't, I would not do any due diligence on them. I would not verify their qualifications. I would not go visit their properties for a property manager and I would just hire them. And it was one of the biggest mistakes, one of the biggest mistakes. And I had lost money, my own money over time to those mistakes. I've lost money to contractors, to realtors who have scammed me, um, mortgage agents and, and their brokers who have taken money willy nilly, uh, lenders who have upcharged me on fees that I shouldn't have been paying. So that was one of them. Second mistake was not knowing what I'm walking into. Okay. And really it's, um, it's, it's the asset class. One of the biggest mistakes I can't say the bar none was not having an advisor on my side going this big, this fast. And as you're buying strip malls, plazas, medical buildings, you know, when you buy a residential property, you make a mistake it may cost you a few thousand dollars at the most. You buy a commercial building, it's tens of thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of dollars. So one of the biggest mistakes that I made was not hiring somebody like me 10 years ago. I should have put more of a focus on that, uh, way more of a focus on that. Right. I, and um, if I can throw one more thing in terms of mistakes is not understanding uh, capital expenditures that has cost me money over time, bar none. Understanding HVAC systems, you know, concrete, wood, uh, what's the building, what it's core made of, what can I improve on the electrical systems, plumbing. I came into it 10 years ago thinking, I'll just hire somebody to do it. And I did not quite understand what contractors, drywall guys, renovators were talking about from a hands-on perspective. I truly believe renovation is one of those skill sets that we need to have as investors. It's really important, especially if you're hiring a contractor or renovator. So those are my top three mistakes that I've made. Yeah, and I'm sure over the years, you know, you've kind of, I always like to say, you know, like build the calluses or, you know, through those mistakes that you make that mistake one time, but you very rarely make it the second time, or if you do, you know where that mistake is being made and, and you're kind of prepared for it in a little bit better sense. So um, so Sarah touched on it a little bit, like the financing. So I know when we say 74 units or you're looking at like, you know, multiple hundreds of units or a strip ball and we're looking at like seven and eight figure price tags on these types of properties, it's intimidating, right? So where do I get this money from? How do I finance it? Where do we get this so in your experience, where did, where is the best source or how did you finance um, some of your projects? Or maybe you can walk us through a specific example of a, of a recent deal. Yeah, sure. Um, well, I'll give you an example of a recent deal. So a little bit of a backstory here to help everybody out. So financing, surprisingly, is not difficult in the commercial realm. It is complex when you do it the first and second time, but it's not hard by any stretch of the imagination. In fact, I find financing to be much easier. And I do get treated differently at the major banks like RBC, TD, Bank. They actually treat me way differently. The lines of credit that I, that I get offered, uh, the interest rates, 
it's very different. Most recently, I was approved for a $10 million line of credit from TD. And wow. it's, yeah, and it's because it, it's never happened to me, guys, before. It's been 14 years. They pulled me into a, a big commercial office, and this is what they offered because they like the way I run my business. From top to bottom, they underwrote my whole medical building deal. They love the process. They love the way I've set it up, bringing in joint venture partners with money and me being the expert partner. Once it's explained to TD, RBC, BMO, how your management, how your business, your operations is going to work, they're more than willing to, I'm going to say, throw money at you. Because I tell you, in residential, I've never had a deal. I've done several residential deals. Nobody has ever thrown money at me. Not partners, not banks, not private lenders. It's a struggle. It's like, it's a hump that I hit every time. Maybe I was doing it the wrong way in residential, but I hit a hump almost every property that I acquired. With commercial, guys, it's super simple. I have to do one good deal with a major lender and they will keep throwing money at me, almost literally throwing money at me. What terms are those loans at? So same as residential. That's why it's not complex. So you still get five-year terms. You still get amortizations. You still get everything, the down payment. What I generally do when I coach people, the rule of thumb is you're looking at 30 to 40% down okay, for a decent ROI. You can do 20. I recently had a client, um, Wesley, that I've made a millionaire. He just bought his first 20-unit building. After coaching him for a year, he's very happy. And he went through CMHC financing with National Bank, a major lender. And he only had to put 15% down. Wow. Not his own money. Not his own money. That's very important. He had to put 15% down. He got, I think it was a 3% interest or 3.5% interest, you know, over a 10-year term. So the terms are fantastic. So it's... I normally budget 30 to 40% down, but I have closed, like my medical building, we closed on it with 25% down. So there is that wiggle room, just like residential. It depends on your skill set and how you can work it with the lender. Okay, One of the big things that I do that everybody should be doing is negotiating with lenders. TD did not give me the deal that I originally wanted. I negotiated with TD the commercial banking division, and I got the terms that I wanted. And the way I put it was, guys, I have my operations. I have my structure. I have my experience. I will close on this building. It could be you, TD. It could be RBC. And I use that to my leverage. Now, obviously, I put it a lot more diplomatically than that. Mm -hmm. But the idea was you can negotiate. Something I encourage everybody to do. Negotiate with your lender. And That's really interesting. So are you finding a lot of these deals off market or are they on the commercial MLS? Both. Both. So that's the key part, okay? So I don't teach my clients, my students to find good deals. What I teach them to do is create good deals. So I can find a deal off MLS right now. I can do it today. And what I can do is I can call the realtor and or the seller and over a couple of weeks, maybe even a couple of months, develop a relationship where I get a better benefit 
than, mo- than they would give most investors. It's been a skill set I've been working on for the last 10 years. And it has worked. I'm getting deals 100000 to $400,000 below market value off the listed price. Now, with that being said, I also do a fair number of off-market deals. Those are the best kind of deals in commercial. But if you have both skill sets, if you can negotiate and create a good deal off and off a listed deal, or and or if you can find or get off-market deals coming to you, they both will serve you well. They both are different skill sets because you have to develop the base for this and you have to develop the skill set for this as well. It works well. Yeah, and I love the way that you say that, that, you know, good deals aren't found, that they're they're made, right? Whether negotiated or finding extra value into the building. Maybe some examples. I know we've we've had plenty of conversations that looking at buildings and, you know, finding, you know, potential laundry or storage or what are some things that you've that you've done in, in your projects that have brought that value or or you know increased that revenue? Because ultimately you can do one of two things with your properties, right? Increase revenue or decrease expenses, right? So what are some good examples or unique uh, things that you've done? Okay, so I'm going to try to remember this now, but uh, I actually have a value add presentation that I, that I can share with you guys and your listeners. If you want it as a bonus, I can share that presentation for everybody. Uh, the value adds that I like to do, rent is just one. Everybody knows that. Everybody makes money off the rent. That's great. You increase rents over time by doing renovations. That's basic. What I like to do, is the reason I buy bigger properties is because I get to look at the frontage. Okay, so frontage is basically meaning what does my property front on? I generally, I generally like to buy properties that are fronting on major arteries in the city. Okay, so if I were buying in Toronto, I would buy on Young Street, for example, okay, which is one of the major arteries. And what I would do is add advertising revenue. So I, one of my mandates is actually to approach local businesses in and around the city, and I will get them to advertise on my front lawn. So I can put up the signs, they can put up the signs, it's not a big deal. My building, the front face of my building, keeping in mind these are big commercial buildings that are really, really tall, so they can be seen at a distance. So I let people rent um, banners, or not rent banners, put banners on my building all the way at the top. And there are multiple spots underneath the windows, depending on the structure of the building, where they can put little signs, big signs, and depending on the amount of space, I am making between $350 to $500 per client. That's advertising on my building. That's That's genius. Yeah, and that's just the outside, guys. Now, there's the inside. Now, because this is a commercial property and the foot traffic, like this is not regular one, two, three bedrooms tenants. These are, these businesses attract the general public. So what happens is I've learned to utilize the common area in buildings. I actually put up, um, not cameras, TVs. I put up TVs, little TVs. Okay. They're not expensive. You can get them for 50 to a hundred dollars. I put them up in hallways, in waiting rooms, um, for doctors and such. And I actually then rent advertising. So media advertising, I get local businesses to put ads up 
Okay, 30 second adds up. And again, per business, I'm making 350 to $500 for advertising to the public that's coming to my building. Wow, that's awesome. Very, very good. So, so how did you come up with all of these ideas? You mentioned that you didn't have a mentor, but is there something specific that you do, whether it's podcasts or read books, or where are you getting all of the information to put this together, other than trial and error? Okay, so other than trial and error, I'm a big proponent of networking. I'm a very old school kind of guy. I may be 38, but I'm a very big believer in shaking somebody's hand, looking into their eyes, and kind of realizing what their skill set is, learning their life story. What has happened over 14 years is I've talked to, <laughs> I want to say thousands of people at this point because I network quite frequently and I get these little tidbits from people. I would love to say I get it from podcasts, from books and several other sources. In all honesty, in 14 years, all these little tips that you're hearing about, I have visited hedge fund managers. I have had meetings with property managers. These are just little tidbits that I've taken from 14 years of talking to people and I've started implementing them into my own business. Another thing for advertising, I just want to throw it out there since we were on that track, the roof. You can rent out the roof to cell phone towers, which is becoming more and more rare, but you can contact if, if you have a big enough roof with a big enough footprint, okay, or you have acreage that you've bought with your property, you can actually set up a hundred by hundred foot uh, space that you can rent to Rogers, Bell, Kudo, whoever, any kind of those networking type cables, cell phone, you can rent that and that will net you somewhere between 500 to 800 a month. So you can rent space for them to put up an antenna or a cell phone tower. Okay. Another one is, Advertising on billboards. You can put up a billboard on the top of your building because you own the space, not, not just your building, you own the airspace above your building. Okay. If you buy if you buy a building in Toronto, you can actually, people don't know this, you can rent the space from your roof all the way up to the clouds. That might be something uh, somebody has heard of, but I have done it before. I have made a lot of money, but I have done it before. It's, it's advertising space. You can rent the space, air, from your roof straight up to the clouds. That's so cool. That's, uh, that's really interesting. Now I want to see, I'm, I'm thinking some of the properties that we have, even our rent-to-own properties or even our rentals, I'm going, hmm, what can we do? What, any flat roofs or any advertising? How many are on major roads? And that's a really, really interesting take on it. And and I love what you said that you, you've probably spoken with, well, you're probably being conservative, probably like tens of thousands of people that you've spoken with over the years and met with in, in different rooms. And I know we've, we've known each other for quite a while as well too and seen each other in, in different networking and rooms. And, and it is so important to, to get little tidbits from different people that, uh, again, that maybe it's not exactly the same business that you're doing, but there's some principles that do apply in, in each one of those, right? So very, very interesting stuff. And um, yeah, I think, uh, I think we're ready for the lightning round. So, uh, Adney, are you ready to join us in the lightning round? Yes, let's, let's go for it. It's now time for the lightning round. 
This week's lightning round is brought to you by Laurel Simmons. It doesn't matter whether you're an experienced real estate investor or a beginner. It's really easy to lose focus and not accomplish what you set out to do. And when you get right down to it, the reason usually is pretty basic. Your why isn't big enough or clear enough to keep you going. Don't give up. Don't stop. Take a breather from your busy day and think about what you've set out to do and why you're doing it. And while you're taking a break, go to www.thewhyfactorbook.com. There you can sign up to find out when Laurel's upcoming book, The Why Factor, Why I Eat and Drink My Way Around the World, and Why You Can Too, will be released. And when you do, you'll get free access to a short audio called What's Your Story. Okay. All right, let's, uh, let's get to the lightning round. So question number one, what is the best advice, Adney, that you have ever received from another investor or at a networking event? Best advice I ever got was, Adney, don't stop be aggressive. I heard about this more than 10 years ago and it hit home for me because I was a slow conservative kind of guy. You know, I like analyzing my investments and it just wasn't working for me. So when I got this advice, it hit home. He said, if you buy a triplex today, buy a sixplex tomorrow. Don't buy the same kind of asset. If you're buying a sixplex today, go buy a 20 unit building tomorrow. Don't buy the same kind of asset and get comfortable. Get uncomfortable. Be aggressive. Get to your goal faster. If you can become a millionaire in 12 to 24 months in terms of acquisitions, why wouldn't you? So be aggressive and get that training, get that advice, start investing today, and then move on to a bigger asset on your next deal. Don't do the same one. Amazing. I love that. Keep, keep that momentum going. What is an object in motion is easier to keep moving than a, an object that is stopped, right? Absolutely. So if you think of that as that momentum, just keep it going. I love that. Um, all right. Question number two. What is your favorite real estate investing resource? My favorite resource right now, I actually have two. My favorite resource is the networking events. So I'm going to do a little plug for the REIT Club. I've been to every single so REIT and now REIT Club, and I don't plan on missing anyone. I'm there all the time. Same thing with Rain. I'm committing to my events as well. The biggest resource that I have, the best guys, the ones that makes me excited, gives me goosebumps every time, are the networking events. You know, I'm able to talk to people, inspire people, raise money. I'm able to make billionaires by investing that money. I'm able to get little tidbits. My best resource is networking at physically networking at events and talking in person to people. Best resource ever. Amazing. And now you also have Omcom as well. Can you just briefly, I know it's not part of the lightning round, but can you briefly talk about that? Absolutely. So I started the Omcom Club because of clubs like Rain, a real estate investment network, as well as the REIT Club. I love that there is a lot more value provided than people are expecting. And what I also wanted to do was get into a niche market where I'm teaching people who are investing in Brantford, in Barrie, in Toronto, single family homes or duplexes. I want to show people how to level up without selling anything. There is no sales at, at my events. It's just speakers coming up, experts. And what I'm also trying to do is provide a lot more business value. If I can teach somebody how to raise money for free or for a charge, or if I can teach somebody how to run a retirement home or perhaps a different kind of business like a coin laundry or a DJ recording business, if I can teach people how to run 
different businesses by using those transitional skill sets, I believe people can get to their goal, their why, a lot faster. So the Oncom Club is really designed for people like us, investors, entrepreneurs, business owners. We have a certain skill set. And if I can fill in the gaps for you to get you to that next level sooner rather than later, that makes me really happy. Amazing. Great club as well. I, uh, I really enjoy going. Number three, what is the one attribute that has made you most successful? Aggressiveness. I have to say one of the biggest attributes, there are a couple, is aggressiveness. Uh, to, be, to be a stay-at-home dad, my perspective is, is a little bit different than a lot of people because my wife goes to work. I am the primary caregiver. I stay home. I'm the one that has been with my kids, seen their first walk, their first solid food. I'm that guy. So my perspective is a little bit different where if I want to spend more time with my kids and my wife on a day-to-day basis, I have to be aggressive in business. Now, with that aggressiveness, I've also learned to be diplomatic. I've also learned to network really well. I'm a big fan, and this is a little tip, I'm a big fan of social behavior. Watching somebody as they comb their hands through their hair, as their eyes shift left and right, does their body language shift? And, I, and I've learned exactly. I've learned through this, I've learned social behavior and I can quickly adapt my pitch, my body language. I know if a person is standing to me at an angle, what it means versus standing to me face to face, block to block. I know what happens when they lean in and when they back out a little bit. So I've learned to pick up on those big social cues. Just a little tip for you guys. It's well worth investing in. Well worth it. Yeah, no, that's, that's great advice. And I know Sarah has a sales background as well as I do. And you do pick up on those things, right? Where you, in, in, in a meeting, you would mimic somebody or they mimic you. And then you can kind of, you know, those trial closes throughout that. Yeah, it, it's so important. And we talk about that all the time, being in person, networking face-to-face. And, and even as we're recording this now, right, we are, we are face-to-face. It is the second best way of interacting with somebody over video, but the in-person meeting people, picking up on those social keys, you can't replace, right? Sometimes it's, it's difficult to do that. So that's all. That's Absolutely. Awesome. And I found I've raised, you know, in the commercial realm, and this only applies to commercial, I have raised more money from people by meeting with them. Last year, I had raised $11.2 million from a group of investors, different investors. And honestly, guys, it's hand-to-hand, eye-to-eye. When you can get that person to trust you, feel your warm hands, look into your eyes, you get a genuine, you get a heartfelt emotion, you get a good gut feeling. That's what you want to instill on people. That's what we all should be focusing on. Just getting that good feeling, those good vibes across to people. Of course, that comes with knowledge, expertise, a good base as well. And you'll find that this gets a lot easier a lot easier. Nice. Nice. All right. So to round out and finish up the lightning round on a typical Sunday morning, what are you doing? Okay. Very simple. I'm waking up with my kids. I'm generally making uh, bacon eggs with my boys. I'm usually up at about six 30 in the morning. And it's, it happens when my four-year-old jumps on my face and then helicopters Putting his belly at the center, he helicopters around to wake me up screaming, Dad, wake up. 
wake up. I won't do the high-pitched noise, but that's how I generally wake up almost every Sunday for the last two to three years. And then my oldest 10-year-old supermans into bed and usually lands on my knees, my <laughs> private parts, my, my chest. And that's how I generally wake up. And, and then I take them downstairs. We, we do breakfast together. We go for, uh, we generally go for a walk together. Uh, we generally spend a lot of time. I do try to let my wife sleep in on Sundays because we're always up for work, this and that. But it really helps. Like she, did, she wakes up around 10, 11. By that time, kids are ready. They're brushed, dressed, fed, and we're ready to go out, generally going out to a park, uh, generally going out perhaps to Toys R Us. Um, I'm a big fan of garage sales where I get to meet lots of different kinds of people, whether I buy or not. I love meeting people. And I give my kids take out their little allowance that they get for the week and they start negotiating. So it's just a little, it's a cute little thing to do. And I round out my days by spending the rest of the day really with my family. We go out for dinner, make it a little bit special for our boys. Um, you know, we end up doing movie nights on Sunday nights and I'm right there with them, putting them to bed. That's honestly, that's every single Sunday for the last 10 years. That's awesome. Yeah, that's absolutely. And it's nice to see that you're so hands-on with them. That's amazing. So, so Adney, if uh, people wanted to reach out and know more about you, where can they go? Okay, they can go to place. They can go to my website, which is A2, the letter A, the number two, realinvestments.com. They can reach out to me by email as well, uh, Adney at a2realinvestments.com and my phone number, obviously, which is going to be on my website. Those would be the fastest. You don't even have to email. You can just text. If you need some advice, whatever it is, I'll help you out. Awesome. Thank you so much for your time today. Any last words of advice or anything that you'd like uh, the Right Club Nation to, uh, to know? Absolutely. Please um, do attend networking events. Yeah, that's one of been my biggest resource and I cannot stress this enough. I have gained a lot of value from going to uh, the Reed Club, Rain, uh, you know, hosting my own events. Attend more events. You just don't know who you're going to meet, what little nuggets you're going to get, what you're going to learn, what partner you're going to end up partnering up with. Attend networking events. The second half of that is be aggressive. If you've been doing rent-to-owns, renovations, wholesales, whatever it is for the last year or two years, you've been doing it for too long. My advice is move up. Okay, so move up, get a coach, get a mentor, do it on your own, be aggressive and get to your goal faster. If you're already at your goal, your goal was not aggressive enough. Be more aggressive. Thank you so much, guys. There you go. On that note, Adney, thank you so much for being on our podcast. And thank you for also being a regular attendee of the Right Club. I mean, we see you every single time. You, you help, you participate. So thank you for all you do. And guys, this guy here, Adney, he knows his stuff. So please reach out to him and uh, pick his brain or ask him some questions about anything when it comes to commercial real estate. So on that note, thank you, Adney, for being on the show. It was a pleasure talking to you. And thank you for all your insights. Thank you, guys. Thank you so much. Have a great day. That was awesome. I mean, we could actually have Adney back and just talk about a whole other segment of anything else. And he would still have so much knowledge and insight. And we, I think, just 
touched the tip of the iceberg with all of the wealth of information that he could really provide. Absolutely. The biggest takeaway, and I made a huge note and I circled around it, was negotiating with the lender. I would have never, you know, we did with something that we take for granted, right? The lender comes back, here's your rate, here's your term. Okay, thank you, lender. But yeah, to go back and negotiate back with the lender. Hey, we do it with sellers, right? We do it with other trades. It's uh, That's a great, great tip, especially when you're talking about that level, one or 2% on that kind of money, that makes a huge difference and, you know, could... Uh, definitely increase cash flow, increase the, the profitability of the actual deal. So that's a cool tip that I took away. So how about yourself, Sarah? Yeah, you know what? That actually was my favorite one as well. And usually we come up with two, but that was yeah. amazing. And the other thing that was pretty insightful, in addition to what you just mentioned, he got a $10 million line of credit from TD. I mean, this is why a lot of people choose to go into commercial versus residential, because I would never get that. <laughs> I mean, not, yeah. not in this yeah. situation anyways. And so obviously he said it took him 12 to 14 years and, uh, and he got this opportunity, but commercial, commercial, when you create a business at, at his level, there's definitely a lot of opportunities that open up. And I really think that he just has so much available information, knowledge, and, uh, and it's great because he, he just shares. He loves to share. He loves to educate. He's got his own meetup as well, which, uh, which is in Oakville. And, uh, and it's really great. He's got great speakers as well. Every single, uh, every single event that he does. Absolutely. And, and that's what it's about, right? It's, yeah, we are buying properties and, and bricks and sticks and triplexes and plazas and single families and all that kind of stuff. But it is the people that we, you know, we surround ourselves with and, and how we can encourage each other and inspire each other to do more, to, to, to get to that next step. And, you know, that accountability piece, like I said, Sarah, it's been almost three years that, you know, we've become built a relationship that we have and friends and business and now the right club and all that kind of stuff. But it is that accountability piece where I don't want to let myself down, but I don't want to let others down either. Right. And, and when we tell others, Hey, this is what we're going to do. And, and I know I, we, we've made a huge, we've made a goal at JAG that we want to have 200 properties by the end of 2020. Right. So, and I want to keep repeating that because then people are going to repeat it back to me and say, hey, where are you? How close are you, right? And it keeps me encouraged and keeps me going. So be vocal. Let people know what you want to achieve and what you do. Don't be shy and don't be scared and don't be timid. And that's what Abby says too, right? Is if you've already achieved your goal, well, it wasn't big enough and it wasn't aggressive enough. So go right. and set a bigger goal, right? Like, I don't know, maybe 200 is not enough, but that's what I'm going to say for now. And if I get there, then yeah, we have to find another number and get to a bigger point, right? So All right. I'm um, holding you to that 200. Oh, I know you will, Sarah. I know you will. Because I know this is how this podcast started. Because I was like, hey, maybe we'll do a podcast. And you're like, yeah, let's do it, right? So, yeah, for sure. And, and yeah, and, and, and helping and, and people to maybe not financially or maybe not with the strategy. But there's so many people that can help in so many other ways to achieve that goal, right? To guide you in that right direction or point you to that right service provider or somebody that just helps that. Even if it advances it just one inch towards your goal. Hey, you're one inch closer than you were before that, right? So get out of your comfort zones and yeah, and be more aggressive. Be more aggressive, get out of your comfort zone, no analysis paralysis. Now with that said though, we do have a special gift for you guys. So please yeah. go grab it on the website. And this is a compilation of many successful investors, expert realtors and what their biggest challenges 
obstacles were and how they overcame them. It's a free resource on our website. Just go and grab it. And it's there for a few months while, uh, while you can read it. It's part one of a three-part series. But guys, this is really awesome content. And it is our free gift for you for, for being supporting us, for being supportive, for listening to our podcast. And thank you guys as well for everything that you do. Yeah. And it's a, it's a really easy read. A lot, a lot of good tips. You can read a few of them at a time. You can read them all at once, but the most successful people in the world, not just in real estate investing, but the most successful people in the world have probably failed more than anybody else. There was like a great meme that I saw on Instagram or Facebook, but it was like Michael Jordan, how many shots he's missed, how many, whatever. And the thing is, is that he had to miss all those to make the ones that he did. Right. And, yeah. and that's the same thing is that you got to take those shots. You got to try, calculate them for sure, but don't let it stop you from trying it and taking it and don't let failure. Failure is not the end. Failure is just part of the process. It is the steps that you need to take. Failing means you're one step closer to succeeding. That's, I truly believe that you need to fail a bunch of times. And the more you fail, the more you will succeed in the long Absolutely. run. Absolutely. Absolutely, guys. And uh, we appreciate you guys, the listeners, the attendees at our events, our Ride Club Nation. Thank you so much. It makes our job so much more fun when we're getting that amazing feedback. So please, if you, if you think we deserve it, rate, review our podcast, get onto the website, come out to a future event, fill out the feedback forms, the surveys that we send out. We take those to heart. We're meeting like at least a couple times a week. It's gone from once a week to a few times a week now, but we're taking those to heart. We really want to know how we can make this better for you. We have ideas, but it's just four of us. If we can have the strength of the whole Right Club Nation giving us their tips, advice, how we could do it. If you guys were doing it, what would you do? We want to hear that because that's how we grow as well too. Absolutely. Well, on that note, thank you, Alfonso, for being an awesome co-host. Right Club Nation, thank you for being on and tuning in and thank you for coming and growing with us. And on that note, guys, see you next week. Bye, guys. Thanks for listening to the Right Club podcast and joining our community of real estate investors online at therightclub.com, where the focus is about helping you grow. We look forward to seeing you again next week. Thanks from your hosts, Sarah Larby and Alfonso Salemi.